Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Talking Tolkien. Today we're discussing chapter 7 of book 2 of The Return of the King, Homeward Bound. As always, we're going to pop over to Katie for a quick educational session. Uh, today's Elvish Word and for quick educational session with Elvish Word of the Day and Today in Middle Earth. And then head over to Chase who will briefly catch us up on the events of last week's readings. Then we will spend the majority of today's episode discussing once again that's chapter 7, Homeward Bound, taking a moment at the end to touch upon our favorites both from this week of the text and the past week of our lives. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. All right, so Katie, today is Thursday, what is it, the 29th? 28th? It's the 29th. Oh goodness, how is this happening? <laughs> Everybody, Q3 ends tomorrow. I assumed it was October already. Well, it, not quite. <laughs> crazy, isn't it? But almost. All right. Well, Katie, you want to educate us on, on, on today in Middle Earth? Yes. So uh, this past week on the 23rd, um, kind of an interesting synchronization of events. So uh, in the year 2941, the dwarves and Bilbo were at, Lank at Lake Town. And on that same day, fast forward to Lord of the Rings times in 3018, the Black Rider comes to Hobbiton and Frodo is leaving Bag End. Um, also, let's see. Also the next year in 3019, on that day, the Hobbits were spending time with Bilbo and Rivendell. So an wow. interesting day in three different years. Um, then the next day on the 24th in 3001, Gandalf leaves unexpectedly as Gandalf is wont to do. And this is the uh, 11th birthday uh, after that occurrence, of course. And let's see. A couple days later on the 26th, Frodo comes to Tom Bombadil's house in 3018. And a couple years later, there's another particular journey, which I'm not going to mention yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes yep. sense why you wouldn't mention that right now. Yep. Um, let's see. On the 28th in 3018, the hobbits were captured by a Barrow White, bringing us to today on the 2019th. On the, on the 2019th? 2019th. <laughs> Today on the 29th <laughs> in the year 3018, I can speak with words, uh, Frodo reaches Bree uh, on, the, kind of on the way out uh, uh, t towards the journey. And then exactly on this day, the 29th in the year, a couple years in 3021, another journey. Another day, another journey. All right. Well, you know what you know what it is that they say about that road. It goes ever on and on, mm -hmm. and ever on again. I'd yep. walk five thousand. Sorry, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. It's five hundred. <laughs> five hundred. My bad. Five, yeah. Because uh, yeah. All right. But that will bring us to uh, the Elvish word of the day, and the word I chose. Today is a Sindarin word. It's a verb, and the word is presta. Presta. And yes, and it means to affect, trouble, or disturb. Oh, so very close to pester. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
All right. Well, Chase, last week, you want to give us a quick summary? Oh, last week was super emotional, um, primarily due to the fact that the hobbits had to, well, everybody had to leave, had to leave Minas Tirith and to do many things like take Thaden back to Rohan to be buried um, for Gimli or to like reconnect with the Ents over at Isengard to see whatever happened with Saruman, you know, Basically, it was like a gigantic retreading of the past book in reverse. They went through, they went back to Helm's Deep, Edoras, uh, Isengard, uh, met up with Saruman, and eventually settled back down in Rivendell, where they met up with Bilbo once again, who asked a very que- question about his ring and what Frodo may have done with it. And Frodo's like, I just kind of lost it. <laughs> and Bilbo's like, well, I would have liked to have seen it again. And then fell asleep. But ending knowing that they would have to go back to the Shire some point soon. Right. And so where we pick up is with more of this kind of retracing of their steps. Because if you remember, uh, at the end of The Hobbit, it was basically two paragraphs of like, oh, yeah, they went back home. And on the way home, they stopped by the trolls and took that bit of treasure. Mm-hmm. And that was that. And it's much more uh, drawn out in Return of the King. And there's a word we've used a couple of times. And I used it like casually in conversation with my friend the other day who is a big Tolkien fan. And he was like, wait, what part is that? So I just wanted to like touch upon this and make sure that we're not, you know, alienating anybody or using any terms that are not fully understood. So this is the denouement, which... Mm-hmm. It's otherwise referred to as like falling action roughly is anything that happens after the climax. So the thing about mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings is what, when is the ring destroyed? It's like chapter three of book two. It was like chapter two of book two of Return of the King. You basically have like 90 pages after the ring is destroyed. Yeah, okay. So in my copy of the book... It's chapter it's the three. End, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the end of chapter three. And in my copy of the book, basically, the ring is destroyed on page 925. And then the end of the text is 1008. So basically, mm-hmm. 80 pages after the ring is destroyed, which is not insignificant. You know, I mean, this is a longer book than most. So 80, 80 pages in The Lord of the Rings is not the same as 80 pages in The Hobbit. But that's, you know, that's still a lot of action, a lot of stuff to go through after what is basically the climax of the book. And I feel like the way that the uh, destruction of the ring is occurs, it's not even really that climactic to me, at least like, Mm -hmm. because, you know, I would say spoiler alert, but we've already covered this. Like at the end, what happens is, (laughs) is Gollum bites Frodo's finger off and trips and falls. Yeah. And... You know, there. I, I almost find like they're more climactic events. I think the end of Minas Tirith, the, of the Battle of Minas Tirith, is more climactic, or even the end of Book Five, where it's like Mary is just like, uh, I mean, Pippin is just waiting to die. Like that's almost more climactic to me. Um, so what we have here is this kind of like slow winding down of of the action, and you know, retracing our steps, watching 
smaller little details play out and really taking a moment to just look at the greater um, kind of web of effects that this is causing, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it just feels like digestion in many ways, like decompressing after the whole thing for, for the reader. <laughs> like, for Man, one, I just spent it's... 925 pages eating this steak. And ba- now I got to basically, yeah, now I got to notch my belt out and like take a nap. Well, I mean, cause last week's, oops, sorry, go ahead. It's just, there's, there's quite a bit to tie up, um, you know, after the actual destruction of the ring, which, and there's something that, um, I didn't discuss at the time, but that, you know, that you were kind of hinting at just a moment ago, John, with the, um, you know, the, that the actual destruction of the ring may feel slightly anticlimactic and it's because you know it's basically as a result of you know Gollum uh kind of in this fever of ring madness uh you know biting off Frodo's finger and tripping and falling and um there's this great word that uh many people will probably be familiar with uh that was kind of coined by Tolkien and it's eucatastrophe and so that, you know, perfectly basically destru- describes this this moment of this like sudden kind of turn of events that works out for our heroes. Um, it's, you know, kind of this accidental, um, you know, it, it, it's it like brings about the it brought about the climax. And it was uh, this this moment, this sudden moment of a turn of events for our heroes that was an accident. Um, and so, yeah, we had that moment of this, like, I guess some people may describe it as like an anticlimactic climax, but really it isn't. I mean, to me, um, and then, you know, this, you know, five chapter denouement is then tying up everything that occurs after, which is just as important as the actual destruction of the ring. Yes. Important things like retouching base again with butter burr. And that's, yeah, that's what this chapter is. is this chapter is a, uh, couple of nights in Brie. Yep. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting, though, because we've revisited not every major stop, but, I mean, you know, we didn't revisit Lorien, but we did have Galadriel and Caliborn there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then they right. briefly mentioned being outside of Moria and, like you said, Chase, uh, uh, Helm's Deep and the Glittering Caves. And, you know, now they're leaving Rivendell. And so it's like they're actually it's, – it's like they're checking off everything – that we did and and in a way it's it's mirroring and because the hobbit didn't do this the hobbit didn't say no oh, yeah, Bilbo no it did not through you know like it just it says i think you know he went over the forest rather than through that awful uh you know awful road or whatever that's basically all we get but this is taking much greater pains to kind of roll back the story every single time check Be- and look at because because it's a different story and its goal was different. Well, I mean, it's like the, this is like this is a, a, a criticism. This is me saying like the way that the yeah. storytelling is structured is a lot more mirrored, uh, you know. And it's, yep. it's it's referring the beginning as you know as the end of the of the text as well. So, well, and as of note, that it's interesting that the previous chapter we had, we spent a whole chapter and we were hitting up Helm's Deep, Isengard, talking with the Ents, like boom, 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 boom. All these like big things. In fact, last week's episode was like our long, one of our longest episodes ever, because we were specifically talking about these individual things. And then we come to this chapter, and it's in Bree, 
Yeah, and, and it's, it's back at the prancing pony, and, and it's, it's the whole chapter, and I and it's, find it's, that interesting. Yeah, and it's more concentrated because of what it introduces um, that we'll see unfold. Uh, and so, you know, as you know, as as we said, we're going to spend most of the time in Bree, and the hobbits are now actually heading more towards home. Uh, first, of course, uh, passing by Weathertop. Oh. Which, uh, you know, reminds our friend Frodo of what happened there exactly a year ago today. Uh, not today, today, but today in the text. It's uh, like Gandalf tells him it's the 6th of October. And, if, you know, Frodo had been kind of acting oddly quiet. And, yeah, sure enough, um, Frodo is remembering the pain of the wound. But also uh, he says the words, the memory of darkness and... Uh, this you know leads us to this discussion of you know Gandalf saying that there are some wounds that can't be completely cured and of course Frodo uh, very much realizes that this is accurate to his own case oh yeah and and, and even though they're heading home he doesn't feel like it and Mm-mm. he feels like things are not going to be the same and he feels that he can't be the same and he asks Gandalf during this discussion he asks Gandalf where he will find rest and Gandalf in a very Gandalf way does not give him an answer and uh, yeah this is like starting off this chapter in kind of a very somber space with our little hero Uh, but the next day yeah go ahead ahead. no 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 you go ahead sorry (laughs) Oh, well, I was just saying that, you know, the next day Frodo actually feels a little better. They've passed by Weathertop and they continue on. And, if, you know, Frodo, of course, will not look at the mountain, which is uh, who, who could who could blame her little friend. And they finally now are arriving at Bree. And, you know, the, the weather is windy and rainy. Um, much similar to what we've seen before, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, and also and, people are, again, still hesitant and yeah. questioning and worried yeah. about any strangers and people coming through. It's like yeah. the school not only left their effect, like their, their mark on Frodo, but have definitely left their mark on Bree, even though yeah. they don't exist anymore. And I find that intriguing. Well, but there's one thing that we find out really early, which makes a lot of sense. And that is the Rangers have left. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with the Rangers having left, like this would mean any kind of suspicious characters could, you know, basically would not be kept in check as much. No. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, like, yeah. So like Katie said, we start off and Frodo's kind of weary and he doesn't feel like he's, going home or whatever but what he does say is i'm wounded with knife sting and tooth where shall i find rest and the text says gandalf did not answer <laughs> so yeah i said that oh i'm sorry i <laughs> yep yeah you did. The... yes you did okay well i'm sorry i didn't hear that that's <laughs> recording over skype but sometimes you miss things and then don't get the opportunity to voice your reaction to them so let's move right along <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, so they arrive to Bree, and the hobbits seem a little a little disheartened because they have not they they don't receive like a, a welcome. 
really. And, you know, finally the gatekeeper does come and sees that, you know, these people who have who have come to city to the city are uh, not, you know, strange, uh, unsightly characters, but in fact Gandalf and the hobbits. And immediately the gatekeeper seems more um, receptive to them and welcomes them in. And, you know, says that their their group will be most welcome at the Prancing Pony and um, they should go there. And uh, do we remember a particular character, an, un- an unsightly character at Bree the last time we were here? Yes. Bill Fernie. Mm-hmm. Bill, Bill, Bill. Bill Fernie, very mean. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be mistaken with Bill the Pony. Well, actually, he's cool, yeah. cool dude. I mean, but Bill, re- Bill the Pony, cool dude. Well, related to a namesake and former That's owner true. of Bill the Pony. So. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so... I mentioned Bill Fernie because, of course, you know, as they pass by where Bill Fernie's was located, um, you know, there's something a little different about 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 Bill Fernie's place. And it's that it's kind of boarded up now and seems to be vacated. And Pippin <laughs> has this great question for Sam, says, do you think you killed him with that apple, Sam? <laughs> because if we remember, you know, Sam threw mm-hmm. an apple right at Bill Fernie's face the last time they were uh, in his presence. I certainly don't and remember I, from the text of like Sam throwing the apple. It hits, it hits Bill and he explodes. So, <laughs> um, but I love Sam's response because Sam is more concerned about the pony mm-hmm. than, than about Bill Fernie. And yeah, by the way, where is that pony? I just don't know. They let, they let go of Bill the pony outside Moria. Moria, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After that whole fun encounter with the uh, Octosquid. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's been a while. It's been a very, very long time since we interacted with Bill the Pony. So they knock on the door to the Prancing Pony, and one of the hand, one of the assistants named Knob comes up, and it's like, Mr. Butterbur, they've come back. And you hear kind of in the background, like, have they? I'll show them. And like, Butterbur comes to the front door with a club and he's like knob you idiot why didn't you mean why didn't you tell me they meant that curious like group of hobbits that left a year ago with strider which is a little strange like why would a year later i don't know i guess maybe they've been talking about them this whole time it's a little it is a little strange that knob would be like oh they've come back like you know if you if you hear a knock on your door and you open it up and it's a friend you haven't seen in a year would you just be like oh you've come back like no you wouldn't no not at all but I think I think more importantly, though, it's that, uh, you know, when Nob says they have come back, you know, Butterbear seems to expect a very different they. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, uh, very, then strongly uh, <laughs> implying that they're like marauding parties, just like that will steal from people. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. And uh, we get another like great thing to call somebody because Butterbear calls Nob a woolly pated <laughs> ninny, which is awesome. <laughs> And hilarious. Gaffer come up with that one. <laughs> but um, you know, clearly, you know, Butterbur feels you know this group of people are you know like old friends, and uh, his, his the things that he's saying right now are indicating to us that uh, that there has been trouble in Bree, um, and also that he hadn't really expected to see this this group of people again since you know they had you know last time he saw them they had gone off with strider uh that you know 
odd character. And uh, also there were black riders in Bree and all that business. Um, so he's, of course, very glad to see to see this particular group of people instead and glad to see Gandalf. But we learn, you know, not only as it seems that, you know, things have been bad in Bree, but that in particular business has been bad for Mm -hmm. our friend Butterbur at the inn. And, you know, there are not very many people there. In fact, not at all. It's kind of empty and quiet. Um, But he welcomes them there and promises them food. Hooray for our hobbits. (laughs) It's a lot like the, the evil of Sauron. Um, because again, this story is about globalization, how everyone's connected and stuff like that um, as one of the themes. We've gotten to see in the last chapter where Sauron's evil was kind of like very directly affecting, you know, places like yes. Isengard, Rohan, um, Gondor. But now we're seeing where I felt like the the like tendril timber, like like almost like tremors of his evil were affecting kind of but still enough to kind of cause things to go crazy. And I feel like what we're seeing is just the, the still the rumblings of those things. Like those, 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 like they haven't, like wherever else is getting back on their feet, this place has not yet gotten back on their feet because as we find out, they've not gotten a whole lot of news, let's just say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're detached from the main action, but still, of course, um, uh, had had felt the effects. So uh, after they have have eaten, had a nice supper, it's time now to speak to Butterbur, who uh, who would like to hear from them too. But then something even more troublesome, like we've we've hinted at, you know, business has been bad here. Odd things have happened. There have been unsightly people around and, you know, clearly they're not wanting to mm-hmm. let just anybody into Bree. Uh, and then so they they ask Butterbur, they ask dear Butterbur for some pipe weed. Yeah. And Butter, Butterbur's response should 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 shock and horrify you because he says, you know, basically that he'll try to find what he can, but that there's none that comes out of the Shire these days. What are the state of things when there's no pipeweed coming out of the Shire? Yeah, the pipeweed should flow. Exactly. <laughs> but yes, that odd thing doesn't bode well for what these characters are gonna have to deal with later, but it is still kind of like treated like we're going to get to that. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to that later though. Yeah. And so he basically sits down and says a little more of what's going on. Like, yeah. So after you guys left, some of the bad folks in Bree caused a lot of trouble. And he mentions some names, including Bill Fernie. And he's like, Oh, but they mm-hmm. kind of, got themselves killed early in the new year. Uh, and there was like a big heavy snow. No, sorry, actually it's, it's, um, we pushed them out of the gate and locked them out during the snow and then yeah. they become robbers and they live outside hiding in the woods, blah, blah, blah. And that's pretty crazy. So then it's like, that's why people were surprised to see you. Like, you know, some of us remember you, some of us might not have, but the fact that you came in so heavily armed, was like really unusual. And then there's this interesting bit where it says, like, the hobbits suddenly realized that, you know, a lot of the weird looks they've been getting is because they're so heavily armed. And, you know, like, 
mm-hmm. dressed as stewards of Rohan and Gondor and wearing like mail. And, you know, all of a sudden Gandalf looks a lot more regal and less just kind of like a weary traveler than he used to. And, you know, like they've gone through a lot and they kind of forgot that the rest of the world isn't aware of that. And in addition, it shows that our hobbits have an entirely different worldview now than they did when they left, you know, because, you know, as as they were leaving, there was this constant sense of wonder. A lot of things like remember when we met the high elves and Gildor and, you know, oh, my gosh, we're meeting elves. And, you know, we come to we've come to Rohan to Helm's Deep to Gondor and, you know, meeting these great warriors and the hobbits all feeling very small and, you know, insignificant. And now here they are clad in, you know, the, the wares of these great warriors and they haven't thought twice about it really. Nope. It kind of didn't cross their minds. No, it did and not. So now, now they have this realization of like, Oh, these are the strange looks we were getting. We're like dressed like warriors. And the, it, it, the thought hadn't crossed their minds. So it's just like a little mark. I feel that, you know, our hobbits, you know, as we talked about a long, 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 long time ago, this book, one of the elements of this book is this kind of like almost coming of age story and like this evolution of character for not only Frodo, but all of our hobbits. And uh, this is kind of a mark of that, that, you know, they, they realize, oh, we, we kind of look like warriors. <laughs> That's why people are giving us strange and looks. yeah, and it's at this moment that um, Butterbur really says like yeah, so all the bad folks just became like this marauding party after we kicked them out, and the Rangers left, so that's that. And then Gandalf is like, oh well, actually the Rangers have returned. I know this because we were in the same party, like coming back together. And then Gandalf says like, oh yeah, also the king has returned, so he's going to reopen the Greenway yeah. and like kind of tend to the roads again. He'll probably come up here, you know, soon enough and. You know, he'll, he's really going to see, too, that this land is restored and is safe and functional. And this great moment oh. happens where Butterbur is like, oh, the king is going to come up here. And he's like, it's weird thinking about that because the king, I'm sure, is like some high and mighty and sitting hundreds of miles away on a big chair in a great castle, drinking wine out of a golden yeah. cup. And he's like, what's what's it like when he comes to Brie? You know, like, I just got mugs of beer. And then he's like, although I will <laughs> say Gandalf, since you came last year and like honored my my mugs of beer like basically used some magic to i don't know this is basically gandalf you made my beer better so thank you for that but still <laughs> what's it to the king because well the- and i i also like uh at, you know that when you had said that mention of you know the rangers have all gone and i liked butterbur making a comment about that that they didn't they didn't really understand until the rangers have gone just what they had done to protect <laughs> them mm-hmm. that land yep. and to keep yeah. them safe they thought um, that they were kind now, of, of course, they unsavory figures and yeah, yeah. Because now, of course, there's you know robbers about and also you know wolves and dark shapes in the woods that they're noticing that uh, maybe had not been as um, abundant as before. And of course, you know our rangers had been gone uh, doing what we know they were doing. But yeah, this comment about the king being this fancy person, right? <laughs> like sitting on a throne and drinking out of a gold cup and you know yeah what what would he have what reason would he have to come to Bree and now our friends begin like beating Butterbur over the head with (laughs) trying to get him to realize who they're talking about which is pretty great guess what he's Strider and he's a real salt of the earth sort of dude well uh, (laughs) I was gonna say Sam winks at this before yeah by saying well he already likes your beer quite a lot (laughs) right right yeah 
And then that's when it's like, yeah, it's Strider. And then Butterbur's just like, what? I had no idea. And, and Butterbur's response to this is so, so great. Uh, it's so, you know, like I said, this, like, you know, it finally dawns on him. And I really like the description of this because it says, uh, it went in at last, it being the idea that Strider was this <laughs> king that, that Gandalf was talking about it went in at last and Butterbur's face was a study in wonder (laughs) and then what you know his response to this he says it says strider he exclaimed when he got back his breath him with a crown and all and a golden cup well what are we coming to it's like what is the world coming to that strider should be this grand king right uh, which, oh, Butterbur, if only you knew, if only you had seen these great kingly moments of, of Strider. Would he have believed it? I don't know. And does he believe it now? We shall see. Um, but then Gandalf's response to that is even better, though, because Butterbur says, you know, like, what are we coming to? Like, what is this world coming to? And Gandalf's response is, well, better times, I hope. Better times this, what is it, the Greenway? Yeah. The Greenway is going to be opened up. Business might be getting better for you. And Butterbur is still... Interesting thing here about Butterbur is he's still very hesitant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, business might end up being good, but he's still hesitant about the prospects of it. And about the, the kind of people that will come through, because... Yeah. So hopefully things are going to become better. And now... Uh, Butterbur does something that's kind of true Butterbur fashion. He, uh, they've kind of finished talking. Um, it's time to sort of wind down, and Butterbur calls for Nob, our friend Nob, and then seems to remember something, like uh, Butterbur is wont to do, as he often seems to have forgotten things, like remember that letter he was supposed to deliver a long time ago that. Uh, didn't didn't reach its intended party, and Mary of course teases him about that very letter, but then remembers, oh no, it was about Bill Fernie. Yeah, and so he's like, I remember. Do you remember that pony that you guys bought from Bill Fernie? Well, strangest thing, he managed to come back here, and you know he looked really um, unkempt and wild, and you know so sadly we had to put him down, but we cured the meat. And turned it into a beautiful no. jerky. And no. that's what you've been <laughs> eating for dinner this oh, whole God. time. <laughs> Holy crap. Uh, and and, and, and at, this, at this news, Sam pulls out Sting and cuts his own head off. Oh, oh no. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> Katie's not amused. No. Sorry. Bill's fine. So, yeah. Came back bre- beaten and bruised, but he's okay. So yeah, the uh, about about Bill Fernie, that pony that you bought from him, uh, <laughs> he came back all on his own, and Nob has has been looking after the pony. And Sam's response to this is so great because like, and Sam would not go to bed until he had visited Bill in his stable. Yep. Big doof. So we've, so we finally found you know and like. There were a couple times throughout throughout this journey that Sam remembered Bill the Pony and wondered about him. And now we have that resolution. So the next day, they kind of have an open house where anybody from Bree can come and just like ask questions. 
And it turns out that Brelanders have a pretty good memory because Frodo is asked, like, oh, how's your book going? Basically, every, <laughs> by every single person there. And Frodo, like, says, you know, I'm done with my research and I'm going home to finish it up. You know, I got my notes in order. And the, a lot of the people there seemed really disappointed that the it seemed more about the uh, the remote and less important affairs of the South. So that just shows you like the extent of their understanding or lack thereof, of, you know, what's actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a kind of, it's, it's also just like a funny little point. Like he says like, Oh, well there's, yeah, you, you, you wouldn't find most of it interesting because it all mostly has to deal with, you know, the affairs of far off lands. Um, such different viewpoints. Yeah. That we have, that our hobbits have now, too. And it says one person asked for a song and nobody repeated the call because they didn't want the uh, unusual event that happened last time to recur. Yep. Uh, little do they know right. that Frodo has destroyed the ring, et cetera, et cetera. He can't turn invisible anymore, but still. So then they basically need to leave and Butterbur kind of wishes them a farewell and he's kind of says, I should have warned you earlier, but the Shire, like it's not a hundred percent right now. So all not, all is not well and good luck with any trouble. And I, I'm also, Oh, go ahead, Chase. Well, I was going to say like, all of this is really worrying me. Like as someone who's never read this book before, like everything about this, like talk about the Shire because they they're kind of they really needed to go to the Shire beforehand, but now it's like extra like we have to get there now because some something's wrong. The weed is not getting to places. It's not growing right or something. And I don't know. Like, I, I, I I'm do worried. You remember back when Frodo and Sam looked in the mirror? Yeah, the Shire was basically burning and. It was like trees were getting cut down and stuff like that. And it even gets like re-referenced here again mm -hmm. that this was happening. Right. So I understand now like why everybody is like worried. Like not only do we want to go back home, what is home anymore? You know? Right. But we're also at this point introduced to an idea that will be um, reminded of later in this chapter too. So as Butterbur tells them this, um, he, he adds on, uh, but 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 you seem like you can handle trouble. I'm sure you'll be fine. Um, which is true. Uh, uh, yeah, it's true, and it's a, rec a another recognition of this change in our hobbits. Um, but but yeah, they they are of course concerned as they should be, and you know, Sam, like you said, gloomily remembers what he had seen in the mirror, and wishes that he had come back to the Shire sooner. Yeah. Well, and also that they're like, well, we have Gandalf with us. We should be good. And Gandalf's like, I'm not going to the Shire. It's mm -hmm. not going to be the last time I'm going to see you, but I have other things I need to take care of. Because Gandalf is going to do something in true Gandalf fashion. <laughs> Get stoned. And uh, <laughs> he's going to go meet Tom Bombadil, who... Mm -hmm. Basically, Gandalf says, you know, my job was to see through the destruction of Sauron, and I've done that. And 
Tom Tom is the kind of person who sits gathering moss, and I have always been the kind of person who has been a rolling stone. And now I have to talk far and wide with Tom, who probably will not be interested in most of what we've done, excepting perhaps our our encounters with the Ents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, Gandalf, as he's saying this, um, that he's not going to come with them to the Shire, he tells them this is something that you are going to do alone because, you know, as you said, Gandalf says, my my time is over. My time of leading you is over. And now he says specifically, this is what you have been trained for. Yeah, which is super so, ominous. Yeah, he says, you know, you hobbits don't need me to, to, to take care of whatever it is and, and that you... Gandalf even says, like, this is Saruman. He's been interested in the Shire for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but this is, uh, you know, more reinforcement that, you know, as we said last time, that this, you know, time of... Uh, you know, the power of the three rings and Gandalf's errand and everything is done. Um, he was sent back into Middle Earth to be this kind of le- leader of the free peoples and to guide them and to to bring out their best qualities. And now that job has been done. And it's time, he says, it's time for the hobbits to, to now step into that role and take over. So Gandalf leaves them? And for a moment there, they note that everyone else has gone, and now they're back where they started. Just four hobbits on the open road. Wrapping yeah. up their journey. Well, and Mary says specifically, it feels almost like a dream that has slowly faded. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And Frodo's response is rather interesting. Uh, you know, even, even more kind of different viewpoints. Frodo s- feels differently than the others do as he should um and frodo's response to that you know mary saying you know that the dream is kind of fading away and they're coming back to reality frodo's response is not to me to me it feels more like falling asleep again ah like this you know this uh whole being of this ring bearer this quest has been his reality and now you know at the beginning of the chapter we had this you know i this sense that Frodo is in some kind of odd fog and uh, still feels the effects of not only this wound from Weathertop but this intense journey that he's been on um, and so he f- he feels that feeling kind of fading um, feels like less and less a part of reality as he's coming back towards what should feel like his home so it's kind of interesting, an in- interesting difference of uh, of mentalities and viewpoints, even within our hobbits, as they've all changed. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my mic blew up. Yeah. So they're just on the way to the Shire. That's basically where that chapter ends, which is, I'm worried. I'm super concerned about what's about to happen next. Yes, because we've been in- introduced to the idea that, you know, things things have not been all well back at home. Yeah. 
there have been unsightly characters in Bree, but also that perhaps things are not quite all as 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 they should be in the Shire. All right, well, my favorite thing is small, a little quick. Uh, two specific uh, callbacks to the first time we were in Brie, which is Mary teasing Sam about the apple and mm-hmm. Sam teasing Butterbur about the beer and, like, come on, like, you know, he's been here before. It's like, it's that dude you didn't trust who you shouldn't, like, you didn't want <laughs> us to go off with. Mm hmm. I guess on a similar note, that 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 where where Butterbur realizes that Strider is the king is my favorite bit. Just the way just the way Sam plays with him on that is hilarious. Yeah, I think this is a short chapter, but like, I have three things in this <laughs> chapter that I absolutely cannot decide between if they're my favorites, and the first is Butterbur's. You know, it's it's just a little subtle touch, but when as his kind of realization of what the Rangers had done all along to protect the land around the Shire, um, you know, that they didn't really notice it until they noticed the Rangers had gone. The second, of course, is as you said, Butterbur's reaction to Aragorn being king. I thought I think I always find that kind of hysterical. And the third, uh, of course, being Sam would not go to bed until mm-hmm. he had visited Bill in his mm-hmm. stable. Yep. Good old Bill. <laughs> Good old Bill the Pony. Well, a quick, uh, a quick favorite for me outside of the text. I had the opportunity to see a screening of the movie Doubt. Um, yeah. With the uh, writer slash director John Patrick Shanley there. And his remarks about Philip Seymour Hoffman were a little difficult to relay, but basically talking about like, all of the things that made him kind of an intense and unlikable person are what made him a great actor. And he was like basically just saying that he knew Philip Seymour Hoffman well. And to him, it seemed like everything in life was a struggle and it seemed like acting was painful and not something he enjoyed. But then he realized that like everything to him was painful and acting was the least painful. Mm -hmm. And hearing that and knowing that he was addicted to heroin and, you know, died of an overdose as you know, most of us tragically remember, um, you know, it's not, uh, I wouldn't say that it's comforting, but you, you understand why people find comfort in things that destroy them. Yeah. And so that was just, it was, it, it was, um, you know, I'm glad that I, had the opportunity to just hear someone talk about that personally. And then watching the movie again was, it's only the second time I've seen it since it came out in theaters in 2008. So, you know, eight years older, that's a big, big difference in my life. And watching the movie again was so much of a different experience this time. The point of that movie is that nothing is clear. Everything is insinuated. You know, that's why it's called doubt. Um, and, you know, the big question, if you've seen the movie, um, 
you know, the big question is, did he do it or did he not do it? And I went in thinking he didn't the first time. And the second time I, as I was watching it, I, I mean, I don't know if he committed exactly that, which he was accused of, but I think he was definitely not innocent. Um, but like viewing just the different actors as different, you know, Meryl Streep, I, I mean, I could talk about it with, but I don't want to spoil it for anyone who's not seen it, but the movie mm. is just so amazing. Um, in the way that everybody is, has a strong conviction, but they never, they're never able to say what it is or prove what it is or mm-hmm. directly address it. And I think the, the, the subtleties and the way that it's handled leads to such a rewarding and intense experience to watch and rewatch the movie. It's a vague movie. I think, didn't we see it together in theaters the first time? Uh, maybe it was like Christmas release. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So good. So go watch Doubt if you haven't seen it yet. Or if you haven't seen it since it first came out, go watch it again because your perspective on that movie will have changed, I promise you. It's it's a damn great movie. It's a really good movie. What about you, Katie? Um... Well, it, it was not a great re- week for very sad reasons, um, and also it was a very busy week at work, so like I don't really have a favorite outside, so I would just say that my favorite thing from this week was reading Lord of the Rings. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. Uh, I'm going to be super quick with mine. It was uh, last night I got to see Weird Al at Radio City. A friend of mine had tickets for it, um, and we sat in really damn good seats, and it was a... Uh, hilarious and awesome show i hadn't thought about weird in about 10 years honestly or listened to his stuff so it was like this gigantic nostalgia trip to my high school days uh secondly i we sat across the aisle from i guess weird al's guest aisle or row which basically included uh lynn uh lynn uh lynn manuel miranda uh tina fey and michael ian black <laughs> We're all just sitting across the aisle from me, and it was weird. <laughs> so there was just a like a surreal, yeah, like, like a surreal experience. Like before going, is that Michael Ian Black? Yeah, that's why Michael. Is that Tina Fey? Yes. Oh, is that Lin Manuel Miranda? Oh my God. The um, I've had a similar instance of that, although a lot less famous. Although to me, very famous. Where I was at a chamber orchestra concert, like presenting a few select pieces of John Adams. And like I, I sat down and I was like on the edge of the aisle and like the lights dimmed down and the show was about to start. And then I saw someone like walk up the aisle and sit in the seat across the aisle from me. So like, you know, like four feet away maybe. And I was like, is that, is, is that? And I looked over and it was John Adams. So like <laughs> I was at a, a, I was at a concert of one of my top three favorite living composers and two seconds before the concert actually started, he just like walked up the aisle and sat down directly across from me. Nonchalantly. Just yeah. Back. I was like, what, what is my life right Interesting. now? Anyway, though, I have another uh, favorite thing from the week, but I'm going to save it for next week. <laughs> All right. Your favorite thing of next week. All right. Well, Katie, you want to take us off? Yes. So once again, before we leave, we'd like to give a thank you to our Patreon supporters. Thank you so, so much for uh, donating to us and helping us to support our project. Uh, Every little bit really helps us, and we're so, so thankful. 
So thank you once again to Ryan Hepler, Muad Abdul Hamid, Kevin Reynolds, Dana Victor, Jason Savage, Mike Williams, Anna Dunlany, Ji Yang Fua, Kyle Thompson, Michael Smith, Tariq, Ignatius Pendergraf, Devin Mann, Ariel Alm, Adam Kahn, Charlie, Ben Goldstein, Madison Roberts, Aaron Crawford, Benjamin John Macy, Avon McMaster, Jacob Verma, G3, Brian Osborne, and Micah Laney. All right, and join us next week where we will discuss Chapter 8, The Scouring of the Shire. <sighs> yeah. Which, <sighs> from, which, from what we've discussed today, should make you feel odd. And with a title like that, I don't think they're using a Brillo pad. Nope. No. All right. Well, see you soon, everyone. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com, and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We do our best to respond to each email, so please let us know about your thoughts, theories, and themes you'd like us to discuss in the show. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook and Twitter, and we love hearing from you. If you're not already a subscriber, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We would particularly appreciate it if we would give us a rating on iTunes, as it really helps us to show up in searches and reach a new audience. We also have a Patreon page, where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help our podcast grow. Through your generous support, we've been able to purchase many new pieces of equipment, helping us bring you a better-sounding, more professional podcast. Nothing makes us more excited than a new pledge. And we greatly appreciate all the support we've received so far. <laughs>